0: Adventurers, welcome to episode two of our brand new campaign. Last time we met two of our new characters, and this week you get to meet the other two. This week's episode is also dedicated to Jesse Florence. Thank you for being one of our Patreon patrons, and may you have advantage on your next role. And now... Zephalen! You wake up on the Radiant Citadel, as you have many times before, maybe many, many times before. And there's a note from someone you know, Erwin Wildflow, a gnomish inventor that I'll let you tell me how well you know this person. But as you get up in the morning and go about your daily routines, you've found this note from them. It's in his usual chicken scratch, although you do notice that it's even more excited than normal it's it's pr- almost practically unreadable and it says zafalen come see me as soon as possible erwin and so with that i would love to know from you as you get up in the morning what do you look like what's your morning routine and and where are you living right now in the radiant citadel
1: they would have their own kind of like small like studio style apartment that is way too cluttered with trinkets and knickknacks Okay. They are a bit of a a collector of things. So there are trinkets and knickknacks that kind of have meaning to either places that uh, they've visited or some historical connotation. Although, you know, not the actual historical item itself, but more of a representation of it because things belong in museums. Mm. But this morning, Zeph, they wake up and she's actually a little uh, more on the feminine side today. The energy uh, she's putting out there. Uh, So she gets up. Her hair is um, kind of undercut on the sides with a little bit flowy on top that she puts into a little bit of a messy bun. Amongst the clutter, she eventually finds her glasses. And it's the very, like, bookish round glasses that a person would have. And then you see that she has with her, like, kind of pale blue skin with tints of, like, purple nodding to her moon elf heritage. She kind of gets up and starts making herself a little quick breakfast, with the incessant meowing of her familiar tressum gizmo being like, "Hey, you're awake. It's time to feed me." (coughs) Sets down the little like snack that she's making for herself, just to pour the kibble for the cat. Yeah. Before she decides to kind of pour her morning tea, let's see what urban (sighs) so urgent things to say. Kind of says out loud to Gizmo, finishes her kind of morning routine. Adon's her reliquary and religary, showing her reverence to Senehine Moonbow as well as Mytharian Serath. So Mytharian Serath is in the pantheon of Senehine Moonbow, like underneath, but like the lesser known god. Uh, so she's kind of of that clique of the Moonbow clerics. So she kind of you know takes her time, sips her tea, eats her breakfast, stares out on the little veranda, watering her plants. Uh, before gathering Gizmo and making her way to Erwin, just kind of taking in the radiance of the Radiant Citadel.
0: Ah, I like. Couple quick questions. Yeah. You talked about how your place was cluttered with stuff, meaningful stuff. Is it cluttered in the way of everything has a place, and if people don't know what your ordering is or why it's there, just looks cluttered, or is it actually just messy?
1: It's, like, on the verge of that. It's definitely not hoarder levels. Okay. Everything has its home, but it's, like, kind of, like, stuff has kind of spilled over as the amount of stuff that she's increased, collected over the years has increased, but her space has not. Ah. So, like, and there's times that she'll, if somebody comes in, it looks like disorganized organized she be like, oh, yeah, it's over there somewhere. <laughs> you know? Okay. She can move around fine. Like I said, it's not hoarder level, but, like, there's a lot of just, like, keys and trinkets.
0: And everything probably has at least a couple of moments of a story, if not a long tale behind it.
1: Yeah, either a memory or, you know, something that they've always found interesting in history or lore.
0: Okay. And you said you're renting a place, like an apartment?
1: Yeah, it'd be like a small, like, one-bedroom or studio-style apartment.
0: Excellent. And as you come outside, it is kind of a lovely day. I say that because while there's no real weather patterns on the Radiant Citadel, everything is kind of either all a very stable, pleasant temperature. Every once in a while, the druids make sure that the plants are getting watered and things like that. But it's a little extra pleasant today because the auroral diamond is kind of a pale blue. And for the vast majority of the, the humanoids on the Radiant Citadel, that is close enough to a natural sky color to be a little comforting. Even those who have grown up here on the Radiant Citadel, there's just kind of this natural indication of that lovely clear blue sky color. You wander your way down to the Court of Whispers, which, despite its kind of nefarious name, is actually just a, basically a trading section of the Radiant Citadel, both for goods and information. Trade hub. Exactly. And that is where Irwin Wildflow has their home. The house that Irwin has is a little unique on the Radiant Citadel in where it's actually got two basements. The top floor of it is on the top, but you know that either digging into the, <laughs> the asteroid of the Radiant Citadel is incredibly difficult. And there's places in where it's actually impossible. You cannot actually scratch the auroral diamond and much of this citadel is is fairly stable so houses that have basements are very rare and Erwin has two and you also know that one of the reasons he's been able to procure this house is because Erwin is quite old and has been here a long time and his inventiveness is wonderful but can be loud and so having some of the soundproofing has been nice not just for him but for his neighbors I'll leave it up to you how well you know him, but you do know that he is an inventor of sorts. And you do know that when he says to come on by like this, that's usually pretty important. And as you come up to the front door, find the house just like normal, door locked.
1: I do the uh, traditional knock that Irwin loves, you know, the shaving haircut.
0: Perfect. As you finish shaving a haircut, immediately uh, the rock next to the door Crackles to life, kind of like, kind of like you hear a <laughs> on it, and immediately you hear erwin's voice. Hello, who is it?
1: Ah, Irwin, it's uh, it's it's Ailyn. You uh sent a note for me to come by today.
0: Ah, yes, yes. Oh, perfect timing, perfect timing. Come on downstairs, and you hear a click as the door unlocks. And when you try the handle, door opens. do You get inside.
1: Uh, I was uh welcomed to enter, so I do. All right. And as I have am familiar with Irwin and I've been here before, I immediately take off my boots before entering, more than just inside the door, because I know that that is expected of me.
0: Awesome. So, so you take off your boots. There's actually a little place for them just inside on the on the side on a little patch of a a carpet. And you take in this ground floor, which is relatively nice, clean, and simple. There's a living room. Uh, You know that there's some other rooms kind of towards the back. And you know where the stairway is that leads down to the basement and the sub-basement. You pass by a bathroom that, while nice, is painted this really obnoxious, like, pea green color. Never really understood why. And you head down the stairs to the first basement, which... Doubles is kind of not just a place that Irwin works, but a little bit of a, a rec room. And so it's a little more clean. There's stuff places, but it's still kind of a livable space. And you find Irwin sitting at his desk over on the side. It's a big wooden desk, just covered in papers and notes and books. And as the gnome turns around on the wheeled chair, he grins at you. He's got a mop of wild white hair. He doesn't wear spectacles like you do, but he does kind of have this forever little squint like he's trying to take in every single detail that he can. He's got a giant hooked nose that almost comes out over his perpetual smile. And you you know that he's he's a fairly amicable guy and it's obvious he's not only been working but is super happy with what he's been working on cuz he is dressed in almost full leather armor just an apron like a welder's kit including a glove on his left hand that you think you could plunge into the sun and he'd still be fine. And he looks at you and he grins and he goes, "Ah, you are very very punctual. Thank you, thank you. I am so excited."
1: Question: Timeline is this meeting before or after our session 0.
0: I'm going to say after. Okay. Because you are all familiar with each other. That Great. you're not necessarily like good friends or anything, but the four of you are familiar enough with each other. And so and so we'll say after.
1: Ah, Urban, I was at the tea shop the other day and I managed to bring some extra bees blend for you from Favuren.
0: Oh, excellent, excellent. Just put it over there. Put it over there. I'll make some a little bit later. I have to show you. I have to show you. I finally got it. I finally got it.
1: What what is it that you've gotten?
0: Come, 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 come. And he hops off the chair and scampers on over to the door that, you know, leads down to the sub-basement.
1: His scamper and my, like, three steps with my long legs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he is. He's a no You don't know exactly how old he is, but you do know he is Maybe like almost five hundred years old.
1: I mean, I'm almost five hundred years old.
0: Yes, but for a gnome, but for a gnome it's a bit different. <laughs> exactly. You're, we you're we hitting... elves
1: wear it well, We're like a fine vine.
0: And and he's wearing his well as you know. The there's indications, of course. There's the white hair. There's the the lines on his face. Although there's way more way more smile lines than anything. He's definitely got some scars from his life as an inventor, but he moves with an energy that overrides any aches and pains he might have from being quite old, unlocks the door, opens it up, and without ceremony, just immediately heads downstairs, expecting you to follow. And you watch as he heads down the stairs, light starts to appear as though some magical lanterns are slowly turning on and beginning to glow.
1: So, Owen, what is it that you've been working on that is such of dire importance that you to call so early in the morning?
0: Are you still upstairs, or have you followed? Oh, I, I was downstairs? following. Okay, as you ask this, he he almost giggles. You don't see him because you're still kind of following down the stairs, but he. Ah, it'll be a, a, so much easier to just show you. You'll get it. You'll get it. And as you hit the landing on the the sub sub basement. You've been in here once or twice, not too often. This is where Erwin does kind of all of his really intense work. And you know that normally it's it's a mess in the same way your apartment is a mess. There's tons of important things everywhere that kind of have their place, but it can be a little bit of a, a hodgepodge. There's all kinds of metals, woods, glass, something that he calls plastic. You see an alchemical set over on the left. You see all sorts of mechanical apparatus. But what's interesting is he has intentionally pushed everything in this space to the walls that leaves this big space in the middle. And the only thing in the middle of this room is a chair. But it is floating off the ground a couple of inches. At first glance, it's a high-backed, what looks like wooden chair with some really nice blue cushions on it. But as you get a little closer, you notice that it's definitely not made of wood. It's made of some kind of metal that has been etched in such a way to make it look like wood. There's been wood grain put into it. You even see bits where there's flowers or leaves etched into parts of it to give it the impression of a block of wood or a tree. And on the bottom of this chair, there's a very large blue crystal glowing slightly, just a couple of inches off the floor. And Erwin gives this chair a gigantic grin and says, Zephalin, it's a spell jammer. It's a hell.
1: You, what? You This. You made a helm.
0: Ah! And I, I procured a helm and refurbished the cushions, but I procured it. And so now it's here and look, it works and everything. May I? Sure, depends on what you may.
1: Gesturing that I want to like take a closer look and investigate it and check it out
0: oh absolutely take a look take a look have a seat in it if you like it's not going to do anything at the moment except float
1: yeah so i'll get up i'll kind of inspect the the etchings the flotation rock underneath the gem
0: excellent are you looking for anything in specific are you interested in finding out anything in specific well
1: i want to see i know erwin he is saying that it is a and he believes is the impression i get that it is a helm that he has air quote procured Yes, I want to see and investigate uh, if I can see any markings from where it may have been procured from, how actually it is a helm or if it's just a floating chair and see like how not on the up and up, but like has his tunnel vision kind of put the blinders on him to see what this thing actually is.
0: Awesome. Give me I'll give you a couple of options and you're going to find out different things depending on what you want to roll. The obvious is Arcana. That's probably going to tell you the most about literally the the magic of this thing. You can give me an investigation check if you're more interested in how it was made or where it might have come from. Or I'll let you do a nature check for
1: reasons. Great. Let's see here. So we're just going to do an investigation check because I have advantage on those. Sure. And I have spent many a time exploring and I get real down in the nitty-gritty with my magnifying glass, and it's kind of my my jam as an archaeology archaeologist, pun intended. Erwin
0: mm-hmm. completely lets you do whatever you need to do uh, without interruption. I, I think the two of you recognize the intense desire to be hands-on to learn things. And so he's giving you that moment of silence and space to look at things for yourself.
1: Uh, it is a 19.
0: Awesome. So it is definitely not just a floating chair. Like I said, it's made out of metal. And now that you're getting really, really close, it's a polymer of some sort. It's it's multiple pieces of metal. And what's interesting is that before it was as if you were seeing, okay, someone has etched wood-like things into this metal to make it look like it came from a tree. It's almost as though you get the sense that it's the opposite that this is bits and pieces of a tree that have had metal either wrapped around it or gilded around it, however it was done. And so this is kind of a melding.
1: Would inlaid be a good term to use for that?
0: No, because you can't actually access any wood.
1: Infused?
0: Maybe infused.
1: I'm just trying to figure out from my notebook.
0: Infused might be a good way of, of describing it. It's... A little outside of what you've ever seen.
1: This is John the player, not Zeph is a fail in the character.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. You've never really seen anything like this before. It's kind of beautiful in a way. This this is a melding. It's almost like someone took a wooden chair and cast it, but then melded the two together. Okay. The cushions seem to be just cushions. The only other thing that with the investigation check, you you look at the crystal on the bottom. It's glowing with arcane energy. It's not the thing that is powering the chair to keep it afloat. You feel like that's just an innate thing that the chair does, that this crystal on the bottom, this almost seems like a arcane connection point of some sort.
1: Got it. But I do feel like that this is the makings, or at least the startings, of a Spelljammer.
0: Yes, you are pretty positive this is a Spelljammer helm. This is the core of a ship that can fly through wild space.
1: Okay. Having done my checks uh, in investigating this, Zephalen gets overcome with a sense of hope that this might be her ticket. But, but as she's speaking to Irwin, she kind of has it, like, tempered down to not reveal her hand too much. Uh, so, Erwin, you've called me here to show me this. What is your intent with this helm? Oh,
0: well, this is the heart of a spelljammer. Well, yes. Well, it needs a body.
1: Oh, are you suggesting that I help procure, and I air quotes, a body?
0: Well... That, that, that's kind of absolutely what I was going to ask. It's less about procuring an entire body and probably the a bunch of pieces. It's hard enough to get pieces of a spelljammer without trying to get the whole thing. And frankly, if I could have gotten the entire thing, I probably would have come with a helm. But this, this is the this is the one thing that I can't bodge together on my own. And so, finally, getting access to this, that means I can start to build the rest of the ship. So that's where I need some help. It sounds like you're interested in helping me build this thing.
1: I could, you know, from our previous meetings that I uh, am also a procurer of things and explorer. I like getting my hands dirty uh, and finding all those arcane artifacts and things. And a spell jammer would make that much easier. So I would be willing to help you find the pieces to build this if in return I have access to using the jammer.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Once it is built, all the people that, have, that I've uh, been working with in order to make this thing are more than welcome. I have a feeling we're going to have a fairly d- decent-sized ship. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. But yes, absolutely.
1: Who else are we working with? I mean, I want to make sure that everybody is on the up and up.
0: Oh, trust me. Everybody that I've asked, I'm I'm putting a team together because there's a whole bunch of pieces that I'm going to need you all to go out and get. And while I am very good at making this thing, and he sags just a tiny bit, I'm not necessarily good at... at the talking to people. And I'm not really that interested in getting on any of those gems and going places. So I thought i put a bunch of people together that I knew were reliable people who were also kind of interested in getting on the ship like you, like you. And, uh, you know, I'd help figure out what we need in order to make this thing happen. So if you're in, I'll show you tomorrow when I have the whole team assembled.
1: That sounds good. And one question for you. Yes. Where do you want to go?
0: Oh... Oh, my friend, I don't have much time left. I just want to go anywhere.
1: It's about the journey, not the destination. Is that it?
0: Yeah. And also just being able to say I built my own spell jammer. Frankly, if I build it and it works, we get out into wild space. At that point, I think that's the last on my bucket list. And anything after that is gravy.
1: All right. First thing I'm going to do is, if they'll allow me, I'm going to cast Arcanus Magic Aura over it. Uh, I place an illusion on an object I can touch so that divination spells reveal false information about it. The target can be a willing creature or an object that isn't being carried or worn by another creature. So I'm going to make it so that this just appears to divinations and stuff like that a normal chair so that if anybody's like, is Erwin building an illegal spell jammer? No, no, he's not. (laughs) I'm 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 pretty sure building a space faring vessel requires some permitting. (laughs) It does. And I am chaotic good, so I don't really care about the permitting. I just don't want to get caught.
0: Okay, we'll do two things at once, because some of this you would just innately know from your own interests, and some of this Irwin will tell you as you are casting the spell, because he will give you permission to do just that. In fact, he'll kind of start to prattle about that's a good idea. He'll have to strengthen some of the wards that he's got in the sub-basement to do things and everything. So as you do that, he does explain that building a spell jammer is not an illegal thing. In fact, he knows the people he needs to to talk to in order to not only get the permits, but to get space at one of the docks so that once it gets big enough that he can't keep it in the sub-basement anymore, you have a, a place to be. But what you also know is that Spelljammer helms are difficult to come by and expensive. So it's less about doing anything untoward, anything illegal. All of this is perfectly normal, frankly. There's a lot of uh, ships that come back and forth from the Radiant Citadel. What this is more, he's happy because this was probably very expensive to get.
1: And you don't want somebody stealing it.
0: No, no. And and Erwin, as you finish casting this, will say, no, 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 no. There are people, there are unscrupulous individuals, especially here, but, you know, I trust most of my neighbors, but there are some so unscrupulous people who would love to just nab this thing. And I went through a lot of trouble to get it, oh, legally, but yes, that's good. So you're in, and I'll see you tomorrow?
1: Yep. Yeah. and with that, I will open up my, my like notebook and my pen, and, and with nice calligraphic uh, font right on it in landscape, rip out the page and set it on the sheet, and it says, The Wild Flow.
0: And Erwin starts to clap in glee and says, I was thinking about naming it something else, but I kind
1: of like that, too. You die twice, my friend. Once when your body leaves this citadel and twice when the name is last spoken. If this gets off the ground, you will live forever.
0: And you see his eyes widen a little bit and almost a tear. Almost. I'll think about it. But first, we got to get it built. I'm in. And with that, we'll pause. The distinguished adventurers are huge fans of Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It’s a Dungeons and Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and more. Every week there’s something new happening in the game and it’s available on almost any platform need some loot to gear up your champions we're happy to offer a free electrum chest to all of our listeners this week's code expires on july 2nd at 8 p.m pacific so open up the game go to the shop and type in this code m-e-l-t-s-o-i-l-b-o-p-s so use that code and let us know on twitter or instagram what goodies you got and now enough of the loot drops back to the show This morning on the Radiant Citadel, you've received a note from a friend of yours, Erwin Wildflow. It's not odd to receive little notes and missives from him, but when you open it up, you do notice that the chicken scroll that his, his normal handwriting is even more difficult to read through what you are pretty able to read as excitement. But what you do see is, Deborah, come see me as soon as you can, Erwin. And so what I would like to know is this morning as you get up, what, what do you look
2: like and where do you live on the Radiant Citadel? I think Deborah is the definition of a straight line in terms of looks. There's nothing fussy. There is not a hair out of place. She wears her hair in a very like slicked back low bun. You don't know if it's that her hair naturally just stays or if there is a massive amount of hairspray and or hair gel and or, you know, some amount of magic that means that it's there. She is very buttoned up literally figuratively (laughs) in all the ways in all the ways she presents a look of the kind of person who if you you know stuck a what is the phrase if you stick a lump of coal in her ass it's gonna be a diamond in a week so just a hundred percent no nonsense and deborah gets this note not in her housing in the kind of shield bearers compound but while she is in the office early in the morning on, like, probably her 16th cup of coffee, uh, she has a lot of files to move. She There is going to be a, um, a large set of exercises coming up for the shield bearers that involve a lot of people coming onto the Citadel to help do some training across different units. And so she's doing a lot of the major organizing of all the big wigs and she gets this note and she puts it down and she's Erwin ah, what are you doing? And she checks her schedule to see when she will as soon as possible be going over there and she then crumples it up and holds it over I know that's actually a good question. This is Spelljammer. I know this is sort of like tech we're in a sort of um what's this face that I'm thinking of? We're at jules Verne. this This is d and d does Jules Verne in space, kind of, yeah, little little bit of little bit of Jules Verne, little bit of steampunk. So how technologically advanced are we talking about here?
0: I think a lot of the files that you are dealing with, are on various kinds of paper, like regular paper, but there are some that have some magical enchantments on there to help keep things, the, the safer files. There are places that have safes in the shield bearers' offices that are both magically and also technologically uh-huh. safe. There is an actual safe that you know that has some kind of mechanical lock. It has nothing to do with the arcane. It's just some very intricate lock that involves pressing some buttons. It's a little bit... I, I think if you're thinking that steampunk kind of thing, anything is really possible there. Uh, we're, not, we're not on iPads, as it no. were, but...
2: But like gas lamps-ish
0: not just gas lamps, but because of the nature of the Radiant Citadel being a fairly small place that has not a lot of access, easy access to outside resources, all the lamps in this place are arcane, are magical lamps, so hmm. that they don't give off any, any heat, any smoke. Don't accidentally any, blow up houses. Don't accidentally blow up houses. And then you can adjust them a little bit because, for aesthetic reasons, because the actual auroral diamond that is the centerpiece of this whole island in space, constantly changes color. Sometimes it'll be the same color for days, weeks, months, and then sometimes it'll change three times a day. And so sometimes it's nice to be able to adjust the color of the lamps to match what the auroral diamond is putting out. And sometimes you just put the blackout curtains up because the auroral diamond has decided to be some really awful shade of... Puce. Yeah, just just a, a shade that looks flattering on nobody and so you put the blackout curtains up. But yeah, there is a mixture of stuff. There is clocks, the mechanical clocks. In fact, you'll actually see some people with completely mechanical watches. Pocket watch style.
2: Pocket watch
0: or wrist watches, but they're the they're they're chunky. Uh miniaturization of stuff is not easy. Yeah.
2: So we're thinking they're chunky. They we're thinking that uh you know, maybe in some alternate universe, there are a whole lot of girls that uh, painted dials on these watches so that they would glow. And now Absolutely. those women are no longer alive due to the cancer even to them by radium. This is a downer. Hello, everybody. It's been a while since you've heard my voice. And we start as we <laughs> mean to go on with a lesson in radium and our failure mm. to protect workers. I think in response to the note, Deborah gets up and walks over. Because nothing that she's working on is sensitive enough for her to need to like shut every file. She's just literally drafting remarks and scheduling. And so she walks over to the small kitchenette that their office has and uh, turns on one of the few actual flames to to get to get water boiling. Because I feel like I feel like technologically we are still in the god awful days of the coffee makers that you'd actually put on like the kettles that you would put on the um the stove instead of the mr coffee drip style or do you think somebody has invented an arcane mr Co-
0: i think there are like arcane mr coffees but they're not necessarily that good and you do know that Thulson, of Thulson's tea while They are a tea purveyor. They do have a little bit of coffee and they have what they call an espresso machine. (laughs) And it is big and ugly. It is 100% a mechanical artifice of some sort. And while the espresso that it makes is not necessarily the best tasting, it's quick.
2: So in the office, they would have like basically your v sixty kind of. She's got grounds she bought from Tholson. They, they they have a grinder, obviously. Yeah. And so she's like going through. She bought in bulk. Then she's boiling water, not necessarily because she wants or needs another cup, which is always true, but she is using the benefit of the gas to burn Irwin's note. And sighing and getting back to work until, uh, until she is off for the day and can go see Irwin.
0: Awesome. The day goes by without anything remarkable. The coffee is pretty good. The stuff you get from Felson is really good. The coffee pot in your little kitchenette, it probably needs a cleaning. But otherwise, kind of an unremarkable day. And as it comes to a close, do you head straight to Irwin's or do you make any stops along the way?
2: I think she'd probably. She is going to change out of very buttoned up work clothing into less formal, very buttoned up casual. <laughs> uh, less what formal. she would consider casual. Yeah, and she is going to leave her small, little, and she's not. She's not quite in barracks. She, the person she works for, is high enough up that she sort of ranks. A little bit more than a studio style apartment so she's gonna grab she's basically gonna change into some something nondescript and she is going to grab like a market bag and she is going to make her way to Irwin's by way of a market and by way of like pretending to shop and as she does after she exits the barracks she's going to sort of walk over to the market she's going to browse a stall She's going to pull her hair out of her bun and shake it out and run her hand through her hair. And as she runs her hand through her very straight hair, suddenly her very straight hair is incredibly curly. And she is going to pause and look at something and scratch her head and move to another stall and pause and look at something and by the time she's left her third stall, Her skin is covered in a lot of freckles and it has sort of changed its hue to be a bit more olivey and golden and brown and her eyes are slightly bigger and her cheekbones are a little different and her ears are a little more pointed and her nose is like a little more broad and a little flat and she's gotten about three inches shorter. sort of at every stop she slowly but surely is kind of coming at a different person and she turns her bag inside out instead of a very nondescript grocery bag it is patterned and sparkly and she takes off the light jacket she was wearing and her shirt is not one that you would catch Debra in by the time she meanders her way over to Irwin's. She is wearing the face that Irwin is used to. Excellent.
0: And as you approach Irwin's house, yeah, it's taken you, I'm going to say, about an hour to do this casually, especially since the, the market that you go through, there's always new stuff. There's always new flavors and smells and spices coming into the Radiant Citadel from all over the universe. So... Being able to take advantage of that, whether you have an interest in it or not, is is kind of nice to be able to look at stuff over here and look at stuff over there and amble as you do your change and then arrive at Irwin's, who has a house in the Court of Whispers, which is not odd. And, you know, the Court of Whispers is not necessarily a... Evil place. It it has this this dark sounding name, but literally it is just a, a trading place. It is a, a section of the citadel that is known for the trade of information and or goods. And you're fairly well acquainted with it. And Irwin's house is a little unique on the citadel in where it's a ground floor house, but then it has two basements. There's not a lot of places on the citadel that have a basement just because of The difficulty in building anything, especially into the ground, anything that is dug in was kind of there when the Radiant Citadel was refounded because places are almost impossible to dig up and the, the diamond itself is unscratchable. So the fact that he's got two basements is a little unique. You know that he's managed to get a hold of it for a couple of reasons. One, he is very old and has been on the Citadel practically since it was refounded a couple of hundred years ago. And also because he is an inventor, an alchemist, and having a place that is soundproofed for both his benefit and his neighbor's benefit is very nice. You come up to the front door. It's kind of an unremarkable exterior of the building. And do you knock? Do you just walk on in? What would you like to do?
2: Oh, she walks in.
0: (laughs) You go to get the handle, which on a regular basis, when you know that Irwin is home, is unlocked. But this time it is locked.
2: Irwin. Irwin. And she starts like banging on the door. She's like, Irwin. Irwin, we got to talk about some shit. On the side of the door, as you say that, there
0: is a rock that has been attached right by where the handle is. And it makes this strange kind of noise almost like some of the coffee grinders that you've heard it kind of goes and then you hear Erwin's voice through it who is it? Erwin let me in. Ah okay Oh, hold on just a moment come on down I'm in the I'm in the first basement
2: and you hear the door
0: click unlocked.
2: Uh she sighs and rolls her eyes and she walks in and uh starts picking her way through down to the first basement. Awesome. The
0: ground level of the house is very plain. It's nice. There's a living room that you walk through. It's very, you can kind of tell this is a living space that Erwin rarely uses or is, uses for
2: like entertaining. How much dust is, I feel like she's, I feel like she's been like dealing with military precision for so long that she's just like, you have to dust Erwin.
0: It depends on where you go. So some parts, the, the more trafficked parts, very clean. And it's the whole upstairs of the house is just in general very neat and clean and tidy. There are a couple shelves that you're very much taller than Erwin because he's a gnome. They they uh, maybe he just hasn't gotten up here a little bit. You can tell that part of the living room is a place that he uses as a regular basis to like sit and relax, and another part of it just for whatever reason is never where he goes because that chair over there looks practically fresh and new like maybe it needs a dusting while this couch looks pristine but also used. It's that kind of thing. As you wind your way through the house, you pass by, there's a, a kitchen in the back, there's a bathroom that you go by that is a lovely bathroom, but you notice, and you've noticed this before, it's painted this really horrible shade of like pea green. You've never really known why. And you head down the stairs into the, the first basement, which you know is kind of half living space, half workspace for Irwin. It's a little more cluttered. It's a little more filled with stuff, although there's some places to sit. And on the side, there is a big wooden desk just filled with books and papers and bits and bobs of things. And sitting in front of the desk In his little roller chair is Erwin, who turns around as soon as you are coming down the stairs. He's got wild gray hair, kind of in a frizz. He is showing his age, but in the best ways. It's smile lines and skin that has obviously both seen too much sun, and not enough sun, and probably been burnt a couple times. He's not wearing any glasses, but he's got this perpetual little squint as though he's always trying to get in all the details that he can see. He's got a big hooked nose that almost comes over his grin. And he is, you know, just kind of a normally affable guy. Even in the most serious of situations, he's still kind of friendly and happy. And this time you can tell he's very excited and he must be doing something hardcore because not only is the grin on his face massive, But he is wearing some really hardcore leathers, almost like armor. Definitely an apron, kind of like a welder's apron. He's got a glove on his left arm that goes up to his elbow that is thick enough that you swear he could stick it into an oven and be fine. And as he turns and looks at you, he says, ah, Deborah, excellent, excellent. I kind of figured I was going to take the day. Erwin.
2: Yes. Erwin, you sent what what did we, we've had this conversation so many times.
0: It had nothing in there except that I needed to
2: see you. Is that so bad? You cannot call, you cannot call me by my, the name that that face goes by unless I am wearing that face, Erwin. Well, but I don't know what face you're wearing when I send you a note. Yes, but you know, you know, you know that that face, you know that this is not that face. You have to keep them separate and you can't send a note to the office. You sent a note to the office. But that's why I called you Deborah, because I'm sending it to Deborah at the
0: office. But I
2: don't wear, and and so she actually, in her frustration, she's going to make her face look very uncanny valley. (laughs) <laughs> and she's just got, like, like things are, like, that experience where you know something is wrong and you don't know what is wrong. And so she starts to melt away a little of the face that she's wearing into what a, like, what a changeling actually kind of looks like when they're not wearing a face. And she's like, this is clearly not the face I wear when I am Deborah."
0: You know, every time you do that, I'm very just
2: impressed by the level of control you have. Don't send notes to the office. Don't send notes to the office that come from the court of whispers.
0: Well, it came from me, but point taken. Next time I will take the trip up to your house and do a little knock, knock, knock.
2: Yes, that would be fine. That would be fine. That would be fine. You can also send, yes, you can send any mail you like to my permanent or temporary home address, but not to the office. You, not to the office to get to that office they have to go through so many people saw that note come in this is going to come. what 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 do you have to tell me that that risk that, so much money irwin so much money on this job
0: oh let me tell you there's even more money downstairs come 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 let me show you and through this whole discussion he is he's intently watched and listened and nodded and you can tell that he's it's it's half he's filing away that information for later to try to be better, but also he's kind of just letting you vent a little bit. And then once he says come da- come downstairs, come come, he just unceremoniously turns around and goes to the the door to the second and basement, unlocks it <laughs> to the sub basement. Yep, he unlocks it, opens it up, and starts going downstairs. Where you can see from the stairs that he's heading down alchemical lights are starting to glow and light his way
2: and and she's she sighs and she rubs the bridge of her nose and as they walk downstairs she tries a new approach and she says erwin you know as long as this job is a success i have access to shield bearer requisition forms and if you don't ruin this face i'll be able to place orders on your behalf
0: And as you reach the bottom of the stairs in the sub-basement, what you hear him respond is, but wouldn't you like access to the entire multiverse? And when you arrive...
2: There's not a requisition form for that, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Irwin. You arrive in the sub-basement. You've been down here once or twice. This is usually where the hardcore work is happening. It's kind of a mess in the way of it's not completely a disaster area, but definitely Irwin knows where everything is supposed to go and it doesn't necessarily make sense to you. There's an alchemical set in the corner. There is a ton of raw materials just stored off on the side. You see various metals and woods and glasses and even this thing that he calls plastic. The interesting thing, though, the last time you were here, it was kind of all spread out and he was working on several projects at once. Everything has been moved away from the center of the basement to the walls, leaving this large, open, empty space except for a chair. And it is a chair that is floating a few inches off the ground. It's a high-backed chair that looks, at least from this distance at first glance, rather nice. It's got some fancy blue cushions on it, At first you think it might be made of wood, but then as you get a little closer, you realize, oh no, this is some sort of metal that has, it's almost been etched to look like wood. It's got wood grains actually put into it. It's got places in where there are leaves or flowers that are part of the the scroll scroll work work on the side, (laughs) yeah. It is very, very tall. You think some of the tallest beings you know could easily sit in this chair without a problem, and on the bottom of it, instead of there being legs like a normal chair, there is this cluster of blue crystals glowing slightly as it floats off the ground. And Erwin gives a grand flourish in its direction and says,
2: I've got it. Spelljamming helm. Erwin, where did you? How did you? Doesn't this need to be in a ship? Eventually, yes, but this is the heart. This is the,
0: the core of the ship. This is the hardest thing. Everything else I can kind of, we can get all the equipment we need. We can get all the stuff. All of that just takes a little bit of time. But this, this is the hard thing, and I finally got a hold of it. And now, now I can make a ship. And if you want, you can help me, and then come with me when we're done.
2: Oh. And, and she, she's going to walk up to it, and she goes, May I? Please, take a look. Gorgeous, isn't it? Dude, this is what you've been working on? You make this? Oh, no, 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 no. I I refurbished the
0: cushions, but those are, that's nothing. No,
2: no, no. This was procured legally. Legally. And uh, the changeling we currently know as Deborah (laughs) is uh, going to put her finger on the chair on the wood grain and she's going to as she touches it and like runs a finger over it she's gonna make slowly make her hand change to match the wood grain pattern and she's gonna kind of hold it up she's like she's gonna like look at her hand she's like good work erwin this is you reupholstered too what a pattern
0: Oh, well, that was the only thing that I I changed. It was like this horrible red before, and I wanted it to match the crystal underneath, you know? Mm. It's why have something this beautiful and powerful and not have it look gorgeous, right?
2: Precisely. So you want my help supplying ship parts? Or finding. So here's the thing. Now that we have this, like I said, the
0: rest of the ship can be built. And I think the power of this chair, we can build a fairly large ship. We'll we'll see. We'll see what ends up up making the most sense. I know all the people to talk to to be able to get a spot uh, so that we can get it into a dry dock so we can start the construction. But there's just a lot of things that we're going to need to get, some of which I think I can get here, but some of which we might have to do a little bit of searching other places. I can do all the building, but – and he gives you kind of a stooped – sigh and says, I'm, I'm not going to be running around all over taking the Concord Jewels places to talk to people. I'm not. You know me. I'm not a talker. No. No. <laughs> no, everyone, So I'm putting together a group of people, all uh-huh. like you, all in the up and up, who are all acquaintances, friends of mine, people that I can rely on who are interested in this project. And we're going to acquire everything we need. And once the ship is built, anyone who wants to come with can go see Wild Space.
2: What do you say? Well, and she's going to pause and she's going to look and she's going to say, you are going to need... Form SB 2467A and C. That will get you access to the sheared Shield Barrel Naval Scrapyard as an approved buyer.
0: See, I knew I came to one of the right people. I
2: knew that you would be able to help. All on the up and up. Legally, of course, right? Yes. I have the form in my filing cabinet and once you fill it out and you're marked as an approved buyer, it's Technically legal, we just have to bypass. You know, you let me worry about the legalities and we'll talk about the buyer fee. Absolutely. Later. Yes. Tomorrow. Yeah. You will need to pay the fee for the buyer's license. Yes. You'll need, and it's not, and, and then there is, well, I'll send you the invoice actually.
0: Well, and before you do, before you go through all that trouble, I'm going to come up with the list of the things that we need because, well, that sounds amazing. And I think we're going to be able to get a lot of the the basic parts out of the Naval Scrapyard. I think there's going to be a couple of very specific things that we're going to need that uh, some we can find here, but some are going to be a little more difficult. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to come up with that list and some ideas and places and where we can go to find, procure, trade, barter whatever, to get what we need. And we'll go from there. But if you're in, we're gonna meet up the whole team tomorrow and I'll go over all the plans. What do you say? I'm in. And with that, we'll pause. And the next time we get together will be tomorrow and you will get to meet the team and find out what exactly you need to go and get to build a spell jammer. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, then visit us at distinguishedadventurers.com. There you can find links to our podcast and social media, pictures and bios of our cast, info on our Patreon, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our Patreon patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Jesse Florence, Forrest, a.k.a. StabbyQuest, Nate Zakari, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Oddy, Linnea Boyev, and Hunted Shadows LLC.